I want to talk to you about revival. You see, I'm not an expert on revival. I'm not a, I haven't studied in depth revival, but I've experienced a cold heart that got revived. And that's what I want to kind of uh, touch on today because I believe that when God comes and touches a, a cold, a stone cold heart and turns it into fire, that fire is for out there as well as in here. And, uh, and, I, and I was just thinking, <clears throat> if we just turn me down a wee bit, that'd be great. I was just thinking uh, this afternoon of a, uh, an altar call that I did. Um, a couple of years ago, actually. And as I was doing the altar call, I'm going to do another one in 36 minutes. So, so just be prepared to respond to Jesus tonight. He loves you with an everlasting love. And altar calls, alters, they alter people's hearts. So be prepared. Um, and, and as I was doing this altar call, I saw this elderly lady and she was making her way down the front and she was... She was shaking, like, walking like this and shaking, like, hardcore shaking. And I went, oh, poor thing. That's MS or, I don't know, there was something. I just thought, oh, man. And then I watched her kneel down. And she, she was trying so hard to kneel down. And so some people helped her kneel down because she wanted to kneel down. And I just, I was actually in tears just going, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And what I didn't know is that day, that beautiful elderly lady gave her whole life to Jesus. And she actually didn't have any illness in her body. She didn't have a condition at all. It was the Holy Ghost. But you see, you can say stories like that, and I know there's probably a third of the room going, oh yeah, whatever, mate. <laughs> was she really shaking or was it cold? So I interviewed her for, just for you guys. Check it out. I'm here with Carol. Now, Carol responded to the gospel today. Check out her story. What was going on? I came in with Casey, sat down, and I started to shake. Literally, the whole body. And that's not normal? That's not normal for me. And I've been crying the whole time. That is not me, because I don't show emotion. Wow. So I have done the shake, the cry, the still crying, and all I want to do is learn. Awesome. She knelt up the front of the church and gave her life to Jesus. It was so beautiful, so powerful. What a beautiful day for you. Father, we just pray for more, more of your goodness and your kindness. Just keep showing her how much you love her in your precious name. Amen and amen. That is a really cool slide. I haven't seen that. That just got emailed through. How can't Michael's wife did that to us? Could you make me a slide tonight? Revival starts in the heart. That is solid, man. Yeah. Yeah, go Carmen. Carmen, you're a champion. I'm going to use that again. Because I believe, just like what happened with Carol, revival starts in the heart. And, uh, and it overflows into every part of our life. And I'm going to unpack a little bit of that soon, but it also, it's a corporate thing as well, where God just decides to pour His Spirit out on certain locations. 
And uh, one of those locations I had the honour to be a part of um, in 1998 and 1999, I went over to Pensacola, Brownsville. If we could put that other slide up. Carmen did that one about an hour ago. What a, what a champion. So on Father's Day, June the 18th, 1995, an evangelist by the name of Steve Hill, the guy there, that book that I just gave away, I, uh, I honoured him at the, at the front of the book because no man has impacted my life like Steve Hill. And, uh, and it was a, a little AOG church. Little as in the, the building was huge, but it was a small congregation. And uh, Pastor John Kilpatrick would go into the church at two o'clock in the morning and just cry out to God. Just say, God, we just need you to come. We need your power to come into this building and touch my people. And on Father's Day, the 18th, 1995, evangelist Steve Hill got up to preach. And as he started preaching, people just started weeping under the power of God. And you see, that there went on. So they did a, a night meeting. Then they did the next day, the next day, the next day. That went on for five years. Now, remembering back then, 1995, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was nothing like that. And we, uh, Michael and I got some stats today that over 2.5 million people walked through that church building. And I was one of them. There was over 200,000 people got saved. Went for just over five years, with, like I say, with no with no social media or anything like that. And I remember the first time, see, to, to, um, God responds to hunger. He responds to hungry hearts. And uh, to get into the church, you've got to be in a line before 8 a.m. in the morning in Florida, in the sun. And you're in a line all day. Like, uh, here's a line here. That there would be early hours of the morning. And you're in a line with 100, 500, 1,000, then it gets to 2,000, to 5,000, to 10,000. There's just people everywhere lined up to get into the building that night. You see, and, and the whole time you're lining up, you're hungry and you've got this expectation that you're expecting God to move. And what was so wonderful, the first night that I walked into the building, and I was, the first time I went, I just went all by myself. I was going to go to Fiji surfing. And Holy Ghost said, no, no, you need to go to Brownsville. So I, I went to Brownsville. I walked into the building. And as I walked in, I just burst into tears. And I could physically feel clean. I physically felt clean. You see, it's not the Christian spirit. It's not the brave spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And that revival was all about holiness and purity. It was so beautiful, man. And you would feel it. You would physically feel it. Feel it. And that's why people were flying around from all around the world. No social media. We need to get a hit around that. Two and a half, 2.5 million people walked through those doors just through word of mouth. And the encounters that I had there totally changed my life. 
just the most beautiful encounters with Jesus, just dealing with all the junk from my past, just cleaning me up. Like every night I would run to the altar and I don't know theologically if this is correct, bro, but I was getting born again, again every night. And, uh, and I, I just want to share this quickly. There was, oh, and one night I, I was... I was so shocked because I walked out of the building at one o'clock in the morning. You see, revival, we all want it, but it might not look like a two-hour window. It might disrupt your life a little bit. And as I walked out of the church one night and jumped in a taxi, I could feel that, that purity and holiness just starting to leak off me. It was phenomenal what was happening in there. Prostitutes were coming in off the street because it was air conditioned and they'd go and just hang out in the foyer. They would walk in, fall on their face and just weeping before the Lord and get radically saved. Not one person witnessing to them. Just just powerful, absolutely amazing. And just, this is a bit of a, a, a vulnerable story for me, but this is the holiness that was in the room. Now, when I went there the first time, I was single very important part of the story. Can you say he was single? When, just one more time. He was? Single. Correct, I was. And uh, I, I was fasting every, I fast, as you can see, I like fasting. I, I was fast, shouldn't it be called fasting? It's slow, isn't it? But anyway, I was fasting every Wednesday for my wife, my wife-to-be, and uh and because so many people were coming to Brownsville and they were unchurched, they were coming to check it out and getting radically saved, like reporters and drug addicts and prostitutes. It was amazing. So because it was really hot in the car park, there was a lot of young ladies there that weren't wearing a lot of clothing. And, and I was sweet. I was just, I was on a Jesus mission. It was all good. One, night, uh, one day I got to the line late. I got there about 9 a.m. and I was way back. I was thinking, oh man, I'm not even going to get into the main auditorium. And there's overflow rooms and then there's a a big dining chapel where they had the big screens and screens in the car park. And I was thinking, oh man. But throughout the day, people just, oh, you go, you go. You come all the way from New Zealand. You go before me. So I ended up up in the balcony. So I'm up in the balcony and I'm sitting there and it's all good. And and, and I'm just waiting for it to start and I'm excited and I'm just sitting there and I, I just, I was single at the time. Did I tell you that? I was single? Yeah, I did. And I saw this young lady and she was in the next row and she was walking down the row towards me and I was thinking, there was two seats in front, I was thinking, don't sit in front of me. I don't want any distractions. Don't sit in front of me. Boom. She sits right there. So that's okay. Praise God. I just was focused on worshiping Jesus with my eyes closed. But then as Steve Hill started preaching, I had to open my eyes. And uh, so I'm just just looking and I'm focused and just, I'm going to be real. Is it okay to be real? Okay, I'm going to be real. And, uh, and then Steve Hill did this altar call and she stood up. And as she stood up, I was still sitting down. And I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. And, and I just let my brain go a little bit. And, and it was not okay. And I know it wasn't okay. And, and, uh, and as I'm letting my, my mind just take off on me, I hear, sir! And I went, oh no. I think he's talking about me. This is not good. 
And I thought, no, it might not be me. And he said, right now, this was Steve Hill on the stage, pointing straight up. He said, right now, you are lusting after one of God's daughters. Sir, you need to get down here now. And I just went, oh, no. It just burst into tears. She turns around and goes, ooh. I go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so I start walking across. People are tapping me on the shoulders going, good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. I'm now the last guy. So I get down to the, to, the, to the front. There's already hundreds of people on the altar. And I thought, oh, I'll just stay here. This will be good. And he's going, sir, get down here. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm walking and they all parted. It was like the Red Sea parted. They all parted and they're all looking going, good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. And I knelt down and just said, Jesus, I'm so sorry. That was the holiness that was in the room. The Lord spoke to me that night. And he said, they're sisters, they're not objects. And uh, shortly after that, I started youth pastoring. And I tell you what, even as a single man, I was youth pastoring and I would never, ever, ever look at one of the girls in the youth. Strange, because I was too scared that my thoughts would end up on the screen. (laughs) So God used that. It uh, It was a very, 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 very powerful lesson. Because he disciplines those that he loves. It was amazing. This is what uh, Acts 1.8 says. It says, But you will, re- you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's normal for Holy Ghost to invade our lives. But you see, the next part of the verse is, some, is, is part of it that maybe sometimes we skip over. It says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, J- Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, when Holy Ghost comes on you, it's so beautiful, like, like what happened to me that night in Brownsville. It was so amazing. And he just came on me and he started cleaning that stuff up, but then he sent me out. God wants to send you out, but He doesn't want to send out broken soldiers. He wants to send out a holy army, an army that's got a heart for people genuinely, uh, an army that actually genuinely loves the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's desperate to use you, and the devil will do everything he can to hold you back, hold you back, keep you living in compromise, keep you living in sin. Because he doesn't want you out there blazing for Jesus. The Bible says that we are to be a city on the hill. The darker it gets, the lighter we shine. Yeah, that's good preaching right there. Another time, not as intense as that, it was different, but it was, I'm talking about personal revivals in my life. That was one of them. That totally changed everything. How I, how I saw girls. And I was a young man who was single. Um, if we could put up the Lagos, Nigeria picture. So I think I'm about here. So that's one of C fans, Christ for All Nations, Evangelist Ryan Habonki. That's one of his crusades. That was actually his farewell crusade. There were 750,000 in attendance. And he invited me to go and be a part of it as a guest evangelist. Like seriously, a dyslexic drain layer from Christchurch. 
who had a business called Mr. Pooh, <laughs> ends up there. It was amazing. You see, because there was a day that I was driving down the motorway into Christchurch, and the Holy Ghost said to me, will you go? And I said, yes, yes. And I'm driving my car and I'm yelling out, yes. People are looking going, oh, he's having an argument with his wife or something. I'm yelling, yes, yes, here I am, send me. And he will. You say, Lord, send me, he will. He'll open doors for you that no man can open. He'll put you in places that you'll be absolutely shocked, not because you're amazing, because he's amazing. And he uses broken people and he turns the mess of our lives into a beautiful message. So amazing. So I had the honor of being there and watching evangelist Reinhard Bonnke preach his last message in Africa. It was phenomenal. My kids would have understood it. It was so basic. We don't want to overcomplicate this thing. It was so basic. And hundreds of thousands of people got saved that night. I could speak the rest of the night just on what happened that night, but we're heading somewhere. So I got invited to the uh, evangelism school. And so went there. It was amazing the first time. Then got invited back, which was incredible. So I went there the second time, which was amazing again. Then the third time I took Jay with me. And, uh, and some other wild ones. It was powerful, eh, bro? And then went there. So I've been there four times, twice as a student and twice leading the outreach. It was such an honor. But you see, the first time I went there in the speakers, and you're doing life with the speakers. You know, you're having lunch with them, hanging out with them. Guys like Daniel Kalinda, Reinhard, Susie Hatting, Eric Gilmore, Brian Gearing. Um, Todd White, a whole heap of others. There's about 16 of them. It's, it's amazing. So you see, I thought I would learn how to be a, a really good evangelist because you're getting trained by the best. I thought I'd learn even how to hold a microphone properly because like, the cool kids put them on their chins. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'll do that. And I thought I'd learn how to construct a gospel message and just all this stuff. I learned nothing about evangelism. The whole time I was there, I was just a snot ball mess. The whole time I was there, Holy Ghost just kept saying to me, you're my son. You're my son. You see, because for so many years, I was doing things for the boss on the cross. Doing things that, we're all good now, you love me now. Did you see last night I had my tooth punched out one night? Did you see that? I did that for you. You love me a bit more now? And I would spend my life doing these things to try and make him happy, not realizing that he's already happy. Not realizing that he's in a good mood. I had this orphan mentality and that got crushed at the school. I know that I know that I know that I am a son. I am the apple of his eye, that he's counted every hair on my head. And now I don't need to perform. I can just be me. So much freedom in that. And just as I'm a son, you're a son. You're a daughter. You're a daughter. It's amazing. And on the last night, they get all the the speakers to come and lay hands on us and pray for us. It's kind of the... It leads up, the whole week leads up to an impartation service. 
And we're all standing on this. Uh, they, they put tape down on, across the, the carpet and we're all standing on the carpet. You remember it, eh, bro? And, uh, and then I heard on, uh, Roy Fields was leading worship and I heard on the speaker that uh, the, the speakers are just about to come in and pray for you. And as I was standing there, this is the first time I went there, as I was standing there, there was a, a, an American evangelist, Jesse, he turned to me and he said, hey, Daz. And I said, yo. He said, it's an honor to die next to you tonight. What? <laughs> Bizarre thing to say. We're here to get prayer, not die. But it just kept running over in my head. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. We need to die. We need to die to self. And I'm having this revelation and I'm just going, oh my goodness. And like, I'm not a, a, a feely person when it comes to shaking and that sort of, and gold tea. I'm not, I'm, it is what it is, but that doesn't happen to me. I've never done a, a courtesy drop falling over. I've never done a courtesy, oh, I've done two, actually I've done two. It was breath. I had to get away and I said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm out. <laughs> I've only done two, two and twenty, no, three, three and, tw- three, three and 25 years. Yeah, three and 25 years, that's not too bad. So I'm not that feely guy. And, and as, as I was having this revelation of to die is to actually be alive, I physically felt, I didn't think, I felt a rubbing on my chest. I didn't think it, I felt it. And I just felt so warm, it just felt so beautiful and because I'm not a feely guy like I'll be on prayer lines often and I look around and everyone's on the ground except me what's going on because it's either God or it's not and uh, so to actually be feeling something supernatural was really really amazing and I just fell to my knees and the speakers hadn't even come in but I was having an encounter with the one that threw the stars into the sky way better than a speaker. Sometimes I think we can have our focus too much on man. We need to get our focus on him. He's the gift giver. And, uh, and, and, and I, I said, what is that? And I saw a picture of this little wee tiny lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This wee little lamb was licking my chest. He, and this is an out there story. That's why I love sharing it because it freaks religious people out. Actually, the way I look freaks religious people out, to be fair. And this beautiful little lamb was just licking my chest and I'm just weeping. It was so beautiful. Smith, Smith Wigglesworth could have walked in the room and I couldn't care less because I was having such an encounter with a living God. You see, he's not just a name in an old book. He's alive from the dead and he's no respecter of person. So if he can invade my life and change my life, he can do the exact same to you tonight. So as I'm in this moment, I'm crying and all the rest of it. I saw this out of the corner of my eye, this paw, this lion's paw with these big sharp claws and it came across and it ripped my chest open. As it ripped my chest open, And believe it or not, when I'm in public settings, I'm normally the quietest. You ask Michael, quite introverted. It's just who I am. Like in Q&As, I don't, even if I have a question, I don't answer, I don't ask my question. It's just that introverted thing. But as that came across my chest, I started screaming out loud, ah, which is not me. I go, ah, 
And then I saw the poor go in and rip out my heart and put it in front of me. And he said so clearly, this is now mine. You see, that night changed my life. That night was revival in this heart here. I have never been the same since that night. Everything shifted. You see, on the way over to, to Florida, we, we, Matty Russell and I stopped in a, we had a huge layover, like an 18-hour layover. So we jump in a cab. We said to the cabbie, take us to the most dangerous street in LA. He's going, really, why? Because we want to preach Jesus. You know, and we were preaching on the planes. We were doing all this stuff. But on the way home, I had my hoodie up. I had sunglasses on in the plane and I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't talk to anyone because of the encounter that I'd had the day before. The flight attendants would come to me and they'd say, sir, are you okay? Because I'm crying. They'd go, oh, he's scared of flying. That's a bit cute. <laughs> oh, no, you ripped my heart out of And I'd just look and go, oh, okay, he ripped his heart out. Just keep an eye on 14B. He's cuckoo. That's okay. Every flight, I was just a mess. And then uh, I get home, and I'm home a few days, and I, and I went down to check the surf at Ambly Beach where I used to live. And uh, as I used to have a number plate preacher on my truck, and as I pulled into the car park, there was a whole heap of surfers, and there was a group of four of them. They started mocking me because of the, the uh, number plate on my car. So I got out of the car and went over and said, guys, what's going on? They said, oh, you're a preacher, are you, mate? Oh, you're a Christian. I go, yeah, I am, man. He loves you so much. He's got such a plan for your life. And they start pushing back and mocking me. And that's okay. We're not filming this, eh? Cool. And uh, <laughs> so I'm off the stage. Okay, we could be. <laughs> so as I was talking, it's going to be okay. As I was talking, to the guys, those four guys, I started leaning in. And as I was leaning in, I was thinking, this may not go so good because I grabbed the guy's ears. Don't even know why I did it, but I grabbed his ears. As I grabbed his ears, this is not a word of a, word of a lie. Every word I'm accountable for. As I grabbed his ears, the dude just burst into tears in front of his friends at the car park at Ambly Beach and he's weeping and weeping and I'm hugging him and he said I used to be a Christian I don't know what's going on I said it's Jesus you see that's because three days earlier I had my heart ripped out that's because three days earlier I had what we call revival happen in here it changed everything man he rededicated his life to in front of his friends on Ambly Beach that day it was so powerful man so powerful. He is a supernatural God. And then a, a wee while after that, I was preaching in this funny little town. Can't remember the name of it. It was Hamilton. <laughs> I was doing a, a youth camp and, uh, and I, I, I preached on the Saturday night and, and this young girl comes up to me and uh, with her youth pastor and she says, hey, this is so-and-so. She drew you a picture. And I said, oh, awesome, what's the picture? And then the, the young girl said, oh, you won't like it. And I said, oh, okay, show me. And she goes, oh, no, it's silly. Show me the picture. I want to see the picture. I said, please show me the picture. And she goes, oh, you did it. And I said, did God speak to you when you were drawing it? And she goes, yeah, he did. And I, I mean, I didn't preach 
this at all. I didn't talk about what I've just shared with you. And I, and I said, please show me the picture. And this is what she drew. And I, I said to her, what did God tell you? And she said, he told me to tell you, never forget, he's got your heart. I'm here tonight to tell you, never forget, he's got your heart. He loves you with an everlasting love. Do you know the most important thing you can do with your whole life is give it all to Jesus. Every single person in this room, there's gonna be a day where we take our final breath on planet earth and we're gonna stand before Jesus. He's gonna say one or two things. He's gonna say, welcome you good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, depart, I never knew you. If we could put that slide up of the cross. You see, that's what love looks like. That's it, he's calling you, man. He knows your number. He's calling you tonight. This is prophetic. There's people in the room. You need to pick up the phone tonight. You need to answer it. He's calling. He's saying, come on, tonight is your night. He's saying, tonight is the night where you can stop being complacent and holding the world with this hand and trying to hold Jesus with this hand. Tonight is the night. Tonight is the night that you can be free. Could I please have the band up here? We're going to sing that song again. And if we could have this taken down, that'd be great. Because I believe tonight is a night of breakthrough. And I believe with all my heart from what I've personally experienced, the key to revival, this I'm talking personal revival, not corporate, personal. The key to personal revival in your heart is repentance. It's repentance. Tonight is your night. You see, we're going to sing the song again. And as we sing it, you're going to ask yourself, do I need to change my posture and get up out of my seat and walk down to the front of this church? I don't want to make it easy. I don't want to make it, just close your eyes and whip your hand out and whip it down. And I want to make if I could, I'd put barbed wire across this altar and say, if you're serious, come and get it. It's no joke, man. It's no joke. It's a free gift, but it will cost you your whole life. And all he wants is all of you. Before we sing, just give me two minutes. I just want to preach the gospel. You see, one of Jesus' friends handed him over for a bag of coins. This is the gospel. The Roman soldiers, they arrested him. They tied him to a pole and they would start whipping him. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the Jesus that I met 25 years ago. This is the Jesus that ripped my heart out and said, this is now mine. They'd put a sack over his head and they'd punch him in the face and they'd say, if you're really a prophet, tell us who just hit you. They were pulling out his beard. They were spitting in his face. The crowd was mocking him. 
He took Barabbas' cross. He took my cross. He took your cross. The Bible says he was like a sheep led to the slaughter. They pinned his hands out. They nailed nine-inch nails through his hands. They chalked his feet together. They slammed another one through his feet. They put a rope around that cross and they lifted it up. The Bible says as he's lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Most theologians will say that he was naked hanging on that cross for six hours. Bleeding out. The Bible says no one's been beaten like him. His back looked like a farmer had plowed a field on it. And he was doing that for you and for me to say, guys, I love you this much. You see, every other religion, you've got to push in to try and get close to God. With Jesus, he came to planet earth first night in a manger, hung on that cross to say, hey, I've done it all for you. All you need to do is say yes to me. All all you need to do is say, I'm all in. All you need to do is confess your sin and say, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. Come and sit on the throne of my heart. He paid the ultimate price. And all he wants is all of you. You know, the Bible says that hell is excited about you turning up. It's a real place, man. Don't play games. I was sharing with a guy on social media on Facebook and he was mocking me hardcore. Then he got all his friends to mock me. And I'd seen these little one minute videos just preaching and sharing. And then I sent one, this time I'm weeping, just telling him how much Jesus loves him. That God's so proud of him. And he's the father to the fatherless. You see, that young man sent a whole heap of abuse back. But he made a dumb decision. He forgot to put his seatbelt on. A few days later, he was driving his car, went through a stop sign, hit another car through the windscreen and died. You see, he could never stand before Jesus and say, but Jesus, no one told me. Jesus would go, yeah, they did. Remember that guy on social media with the tattoos and the funny haircut? He sent you videos. Remember that lady that was wearing that Jesus Loves You t-shirt in the mall? I sent her into the mall for you. Remember your friends at school that would invite you to youth group? I used to put you on their heart. I'm here to tell you today you've heard the gospel. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with King Jesus? Because it's way more than just a lovely song. All he wants is all of you.